Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The draft is less than a week away and reports indicate the Lakers might trade down. We discuss next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show. Lots to cover on the show today. You can see it right there on our new and improved rail for those who are watching uh, on the on YouTube. I uh, want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So um, we're going to try to get into a couple things about the CBA and how that impacts the Lakers. A rest plan for LeBron that was proposed by a member of the Locked On Lakers community when we put out our mailbag, Andy. But we're going to start by talking about trading down in the draft uh, multiple reports there, and philosophically, you could argue that this question is related to everything else that we might talk uh, about during the entire episode. Yeah, I mean, there's that question of the Lakers' ability to draft extremely well, whether you're talking about low in the first round or even in the second round, and if they could perhaps um, get uh, you know, trade the, trade down for multiple picks like trades this is just purely made up the 17 for the 20 and the 31 from another team it would give them two cracks at the apple in a in an area that they are particularly good at and more importantly the ability to build out a roster in a more cost controlled fashion because mm -hmm. they're going to have you know just like every team around the league they're going to have considerations when it comes to this new CBA the way it can be very restrictive if you go past per, uh, certain, you know, aprons and whatnot. It can become also very, uh, what would be the word, punitive, I guess, financially. They really start hammering you for it beyond whatever Genie Bus would be willing to spend. You, it starts becoming just very, very prohibitive. So this could play into a Lakers strength while actually helping them maintain a little bit more flexibility yeah and so you know this is something that is it's not just us uh supposing it has been reported around sam bassini of uh the athletic uh jonathan Givoni uh, at espn and draft express also saying the lakers are, are considering trading down you know it's it's funny too when you think about it, like both there are two good reasons i think for the lakers just in terms of prospects um i, I think there are a lot of people who would argue that you know, 17 better. It's, it's better to draft at 17 than 25. Like you get a better, you know, you have eight more players, whatever that is that you can choose from uh, and all that. But I don't necessarily, I would love to see a breakdown of the sort of historical success rate of guys drafted around 17 versus guys drafted around 24, 25, 26. Because I feel like, I, you know, my my gut instinct is there's probably not that big of a difference. We, for example, in the locked on Lakers, um, uh, the the mock the locked on 
big board, you know, NBA mock draft that every team participates in. We have Jet Howard from Michigan going at 17 to the Lakers. That is not based on you and I doing extensive scouting on Jet Howard. I've never seen him play. But what we have done is gone through a lot of other mock drafts. We look at his skill set. He's a shooter. He's a wing. Um, you know, LeBron thrives around shooters. It makes a lot of sense. I've seen him go to the Lakers in mock drafts. I've also seen him big boarded, so to speak, around like 24, 25, 26. So the range in prospects, Andy, is massive. And the opinions are, you know, very wildly once you get past like 12 or 13 in the draft. So one person's 17 might end up being another person's 25 anyway. I think the Lakers could do well if they bumped back. Yeah, I mean, it. we had somebody commenting to us on Twitter, at Cam Brothers, um, that the Lakers should look to trade the pick, package it to bring back, you know, a, a proven NBA player mm -hmm. to, you know, really – aggressively stay in it as win now mode as possible which which is to be clear defensible i mean if oh yeah trevor lane for example our friend at lakers nation today had you know on thursday had a great tweet like who is a realistic player that you would trade the 17 pick for and it wouldn't be just this probably instantly like buddy healed other guys maybe maybe not but that one is i raise my hand and i do it and i'm a huge advocate of keeping the pick but sometimes if you can get a really good player you do that Right, but um, someone hit us up on Twitter at Cam Brothers with a list of players that had gone at 17 over the last like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And in this person's assessment, he's like, you know, you're only looking at about a 15% hit rate as far as a useful NBA player. And A, I think this person was undervaluing some of the players that were actually on this list. Like there are a few, I'm like, I don't know how you're doing the math on this, but this is not 15%. Um, but also, too, as I, as I responded to him, you can't evaluate this by looking just at 17 because there's there's a lot of variances and, frankly, even randomness that determines each year's draft and, you know, like what certain teams need, you know, might lead to them taking taking somebody else when a better a guy who ended up having a better career went two or three spots behind them. But they may not have had a need at that position. You know, there's a lot of different. Or maybe they're just bad at drafting. Right. They, yeah, it could be a team that's terrible at this, like whatever. But I, what I said to him is like, you really need to look, if you want to figure out, you know, the, roughly the range you could do at 17, you would need to look historically at about 15 through 20, maybe even like 15 through 22, and then see all the players that are right. roughly taken in that range. And I think the odds, particularly for a team like the Lakers that are good at this, at finding, if nothing else, an NBA rotation player, which means you are an above average player because average NBA players often struggle to stay in a rotation Certainly on a, top a regular. End. I mean, if you're talking about a legitimate top seven, top eight, you know, a guy who's eight, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think most of those guys are probably average, but I don't want to, uh, you know, we don't need to debate that, that particular point. Right. I mean, if you can find a legitimate rotation player in the NBA at 17, that is a really valuable mm -hmm. use of that asset, especially when you're talking about a player that's going to be cost-controlled for a few years, when you're talking about the Lakers having LeBron and AD alone are almost a hundred million dollars 
themselves. Right. The Lakers are going to be limited in certain respects with how they go about building their roster. And as we've talked about a lot, it's really important that they build out some quality depth because, as I think we're going to end up discussing over the course of the show, but we certainly have before, you have to price in some absences and or rest or both for LeBron and Anthony Davis. Right. The question in that scenario is whether or not the guys you would get at 27 and like the extra set, you know, the extra second rounder, you know, the 33 or, and then plus your own 47, whether or not that would actually create more quality depth. The Lakers have a better chance of coming up with a player who could play in those situations, but the odds are that they probably wouldn't two or three years from now, maybe, but the odds are that they probably won't find a rotation player at 17 either. Like at least not one that contributes right away on a team with title aspirations. Um, again, Lakers have better chances than other teams, but I, you know, th historically the answer is probably not. But I just think it's important to emphasize. Well, they might be able to find really quick. They might be able to find a player good enough to soak up some regular season minutes. Right, but I'm, that, maybe, maybe, but you know, soak up some. You know, you know, if LeBron is out for a little bit, you're resting him. He can play 10, 15 minutes, whatever it might be, and or maybe if you get lucky, a little bit more. But I just think what the, the important thing is to me is like 17, you know, it's, it's on the, it's on the fence there, but generally speaking, I would say like 17, it's not like eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, where you think you might be able to pick a guy who can make an impact right away. The, you're already in probably not. Um, and there may not be a huge difference between 17 and 22, 23. Um, other things that impact what the the choices the Lakers could make here are related to in uh, you know aspects of the new CBA that um, yeah, designed to keep teams from spending a ton and ton of money. Something the Lakers have historically done. So we'll talk about some of those things next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the makers of shorts and pants that feature the future of comfort, which is built in underwear. It's stitched inside the pants and the shorts, almost like a layer of boxer brief that are at one with the clothing. They call it Comfort Kingdom, and you can rule this land in your Bird Dogs. You can look better, feel great wearing your Bird Dogs. The stretchy fabrics makes my legs, your legs, everybody's legs look great. They're comfy more so than other pants and shorts. They're versatile. You can wear the same pants or shorts on a golf course work meeting on a date, and they are forgiving. If you need a little extra stretch in the midsection area, smidge more room, nothing to be ashamed of, especially when you can look good in the process. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter that promo code, again, LockedOnNBA, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. It's awesome. That in and of itself is worth going there. So get your shorts, get your pants, get your Yeti-style tumbler, Get some bird dogs. Um, so, Andy, one of the big things here about the new CBA, as you mentioned, it does put a premium on finding cost-controlled young talent. That is certainly an argument for the Lakers to find as many picks as they can in this and, 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 and future drafts. Um, but it, it kind of gets to the yin and yang of their situation which is you always have to have at least some semblance of an eye towards the future um but when you have a 39 year old lebron james and an anthony davis who some people at least don't trust to age gracefully you gotta put the pedal down now yeah i mean obviously the lakers are in extreme win now mode you know they <laughs> that sounds like double secret probation extreme win now mode i mean look when 
the guy that is the centerpiece of your team is 39 in season 21 with a billion miles on the odometer. He he has the equivalent in playoff games of like a four and a half to five year NBA career. Just that alone, you have to be thinking about everything in terms of immediacy. And I'm sure if you asked LeBron, his preference would be trade that pick for somebody that we know can help in the rotation now. If he told LeBron about the financial implications, he would say, figure it out. <laughs> like, you know, that that's your job to figure it out. My job is to try to win you a championship. It's not my concern what it does to the payroll, even though I'm sure LeBron is smart enough to recognize one thing often can lead to the other. Your ability to win a championship can actually be directly affected by that payroll. But also, too, I think it becomes really important, you know, the, potentially using that 17th pick. If the Lakers do some of the things I'm expecting them to do, like retain Austin Reeves, like retain Rui Hachimura, I am running with the ex expectation right now that D'Angelo Russell will be back. I don't mm -hmm. think it's a given, but if I had to guess, I think he will be, or if nothing else, I think there's a very good chance of it because I I don't anticipate the Lakers having a better opportunity to replace his skill set through either trades yeah. or certainly on the open market. I, I would, I, I, I think that, I don't know if it will be him that will be back specifically. I would be surprised if they let his salary slot slash quality of player slot just go away because they didn't want to pay. I feel like the roster is going to end up expensive enough. You know, maybe they retain Mo Bamba and or Malik Beasley to have another tradable asset there to make a move at the deadline. I think it's going to end up expensive enough that you may end up needing to keep that pick, use it on an actual draft prospect. Maybe that's somebody that ends up included in a trade down the road with Malik Beasley or whatever, but I feel like that's also, by the way, an argument for using what I was going to make of picking up extra more picks is you have more opportunities to create more value to be able to arrange to have more appealing pieces to trade down the road. Yeah, um, absolutely. And look, I understand that they are in win now mode, but at the same time, you do have to be thinking in certain respects about making sure that you have some semblance of a foundation Mm -hmm. when this thing eventually runs its course, because frankly, the Lakers are far, far closer to the end than the beginning. I mean, they're of this window. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, they can see the finish line without the use of binoculars. Like it's, it's pretty close. Like it, I mean, they're like not... right up against the window. They're like peering right. out the window. <laughs> exactly. So you have, you do have to think about this with some degree of, pragmatic i mean again if you have an opportunity to bring in somebody with that 17th pick that you know would make an instant impact okay fine but if it's for a run-of-the-mill rotation player i can see where the lakers think a little bit more big picture than lebron would prefer and probably some fans would prefer yeah but i mean it's also too it's 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 like what are you getting and and i I, this, the new CBA, like you talk about it, like I, one of the things that I think is going to be so fascinating about this offseason, including the draft, is like, you know, we heard on Thursday, like it was a Wednesday or Thursday, I forget what it was, Bradley Beal, um, you know, is they're talking much more about trading Bradley Beal 
Um, mercifully, the Lakers have not come up in this conversation because I don't think anybody here wants anything to do with Bradley Beal. It's not even that. It's, a year. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's it's impossible to do. But that the point is, even I'd be like, I don't, the Lakers don't want to pay Bradley Beal fifty million dollars a year. I don't know who does, and that's kind of the point. Um, so there's two things going on here. There's you know Jalen Brown's super max and stuff like all of these questions become incredibly difficult when the the salary scale is still huge but the 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 penalties aren't just punitive in terms of the amount of money you have to pay but also the restrictions that it puts on your roster and then from there okay now if if let's say Washington does trade Brad Beal. Does what does that mean for Kyle Kuzma? Are they less likely to bring him back? Does that mean Kristaps Porzingis, who played very well last year, um, ends up staying in Washington, or does he end up on the market? Like how? And you know that it's not that the Lakers are necessarily interested or could get either one of those guys, but that has a ripple effect on how people use their cap space, which has a ripple effect on what the Lakers might have to pay Rui Hachimura, might have to pay D'Angelo Russell. So the, the the kind of the intermoving pieces here are really interesting. And, you know, if the Lakers pony up and pay Hachimura, they pay Russell, they figure out a way to bring back Lonnie Walker for $7 million, well, all these other things, it actually makes a lot of sense for them to go ahead on on the other end to try to find three or four cost-controlled players to put at the end of the roster because there probably won't be space to play them anyway um, except for those you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 when LeBron is sitting, when Anthony Davis is sitting, whatever, because don't forget, Max Christie, they expect to be a guy who can play a little bit next year, but he's only, what, are you going to be 20 um, once the yeah. regular season starts? So, I mean, even with their track record, you know, three guys, four guys who are in that 19, 20, 21 range, you know, age-wise, 22, to be able to play, it's unlikely. I mean, I think there's, you know, Austin Reeves, for example, is a little older, came in a little older, a little more prepared, you know, and, and maybe that had a little something to do with his ability to step in beyond just his talent. It's It's going to be rough for all these teams, but it's really going to be difficult for a team like the Lakers when one of your huge contracts is centered around a 39-year-old guy. And then that doesn't even get into the elements of Anthony Davis and, and some of the things that you know can make him on a $40 million deal at times mm-hmm. feel dicey. And it, again, creates that necessity of finding more cost-controlled avenues when you can. And again... Right, like, and so, but but in a context where you're like, okay, but what if we needed to pay Buddy Heal $20 million next year? Okay, well, you know... Um, maybe we do that. And so it, 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 I think I agree with you. I think it will eventually put downward pressure on, you know, the, you know, Jokic is going to continue to make whatever the maximum is, but teams are going to think really hard about, are we really going to max out Brad Beal the next time he's well, a guy like Michael Porter jr. Got his big money at just the right time mm-hmm. because somebody like him who, Looks like he is ideally slotted as the third or fourth best player on a championship team. I don't think he's going to get the type of money on his next deal that he has right now. Sure, you know, like, even 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 like this, you know, like a Jalen Brown is a great young player. 
that's gonna with every GM and and the uh, CB the capologist in every in every office uh, had an interesting uh, idea for how to play LeBron next year that was put out on the uh, Cam Brothers Twitter page um, when we were doing the mailbag and we wanted to get into that because it is related to these topics we'll do it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Game Time. Years ago, some friends of mine and I, we went to go see LL Cool J in LA, really last minute. Weren't sure how to get tickets, got them from a scalper. They turned out to be fake. And after that experience, I was like, I will never go through something like that again because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And it's not because of Game Time. And it's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports and music and comedy shows, theater, anything near you with killer deals on Last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun. And I love the way they offer images of seat views. They got the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. The game time guarantee means you always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in this country. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps. Tickets go directly to your phone and you're set. Snag the tickets without the without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So my apologies, I closed out the wrong window and now I don't have the tweet in front of me. But the basic idea that was presented on the uh, uh, the Cam Brothers Twitter feed, thank you for hanging out and, and uh, answering the question, um, was the proposition that you would intentionally, essentially play LeBron every other game. That you go into the season with the idea that we are going to load manage the bleep out of this guy. So, you know, without getting bogged down in the literal, like, you know, could you set up a thing where he plays every other game or like the design where he plays between 40 and 50, it brings up the, like the, you know, LeBron will say something to the effect of I'm going to play as many games as I can and so on and so, but like, what is a reasonable plan? I feel like the Lakers, especially with him coming off potentially foot surgery, need to go into the season with like a, we're going to like, our goal is to play LeBron 63 games. If we never say it out loud. But the idea that he's going to play 80, we're, we're ditching that from the beginning. We are going to build days of rest in whatever it is. Like, How would you approach this if you were the Lakers? I, I mean, you're going – I would look to be more cautious with his minutes as opposed to his game totals. Interesting. Because I, I think it is hard – first of all, I think it's just harder to plan X amount of games – because you never know when injuries might take place anyway. Right. I would look to try to keep his minutes more under control, try to keep the stress under control. But the truth is, I also think that's a that's potentially a more feasible plan than X amount of games and really trying to be stringent because then you could start getting into trouble with what if Anthony Davis isn't available or Austin Reeves is out for a few weeks. Hachimura, any somebody else who matters that's mm-hmm. on this team next season isn't available. We saw what happened last year when the Lakers had to scramble to get themselves into the playoff mix. They turned it into a really long run, but it caught up to them. Like that was, they were basically playing playoff level basketball from mid February on. It would be 
it would be more difficult to avoid something like this if you go into the season saying LeBron is going to miss these games. We have them already marked out on the calendar. That is the plan. We're not straying from it. You could start really putting yourself behind the eight ball. That's why, you know, if you, that's why we've been talking so much and the everydayers are going to hear it throughout is, you know, depth, why depth is just so critical for this team and why is particularly top end depth. That's why it matters when you bring back D'Angelo Russell, or if you don't bring him back, like if they traded the 17 and whatever for Buddy Heald, they probably let Russell go. I wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying I, I think there is a good chance that they would do that. And then you know, you sign other guards or whatever. You know, I, I don't know if they would bring back Heald, sign Russell for 20 million and Hachimura for 20 million. Now you're really you're blowing past aprons. But I'm just saying like in my I mean, mind. Heald's like, healed, I mean, you because you've brought him up now a few times, healed's an expiring. So I mean it's he one is, but year makes, of But money. I'm talking about just next year's salaries. I understand that, but I he's gonna make 19 million next year. I don't think Buddy Heald is a good enough player that you let D'Angelo Russell go. I think he's too one-dimensional a player for that, to me personally. Oh, fair, right? And that, that, but and that's fair. I don't think that talking. makes you better enough that it's worth doing. I, I think that. I mean, I think it could. I mean, I, it'd be up to me. I'd keep all these people and I'd keep adding and let them figure it out. But I'm just saying, like, if you feel like you're improving, if you feel like, or maybe you you let somebody else go, you you know, at that well, at that point, you certainly aren't picking up the option on Beasley. Um, unless you know, he'd either be part of the trade or you let him go. But point being, if you can find ways to improve, if you really feel like this player is going to elevate you, particularly in the top half of your rotation, the Lakers have to take advantage of any of those opportunities that they have because of what you're talking about, because of the 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 dual things that they have to do between not wanting to spend February, March, and April busting ass to try to get into the playoffs and have a, you know, hopefully avoid the play in and keeping your stars healthy. Those are two things that you do not, you know, you want to be able to keep your stars healthy without having that pressure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember the Kobe's final year where, you know, the retirement tour and he and the organization went through um, the schedule and they really mapped out, Games Kobe would play, games Kobe would rest. You know, a lot of those were home games. You know, ultimately, you know, the logic was a lot of these home fans at least had more of an opportunity, if nothing else, to see Kobe one last time in person. In the meantime, the game that he would play in Boston or Indiana or Oklahoma City, wherever, this could be the last time he's in that place. And Kobe wanted one final shot at all those, but you also wanted to get him through the season whole. The difference there, though, is the Lakers had no stakes other than getting Kobe through the season. The whole, like, literally, the whole point of the season was to right. orchestrated I mean, Kobe farewell. The team sucked. No, and it, I mean, look, that became the priority of the team, even at the expense of developing Julius Randle, developing D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. Like all of those guys, their personal growth took a back seat to the number one goal of getting Kobe through the season. But that doesn't work if you're actually looking to make the playoffs. I don't know if you can do it that strict with LeBron. Again, especially knowing that the guy you're asking to pick up the slack in Anthony Davis has issues of his own. 
Mm -hmm. the, the challenge for the team, maybe this is something we can talk about. We're going to have uh, uh, Mike Garcia on for Tuesday show. Uh, I'm sorry, for Wednesday ahead of the draft um, to you know get ready. It's like that's basically random. So like the the, the final draft thoughts before we uh, you know the everything happens on Thursday. Great Lakers insider. Um, in terms of the draft, he's somebody you ought to be following if you're not at Canyon Driver is how you find him on Twitter. Excuse me. Um, but like maybe later in the week, it's really easy for the Lakers to bring back a team that is as good as it went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Improving that team is the tricky part. Like they're significantly improving it in, in, in meaningful ways. And so you know, outlining how to do that I think is is the hard, really the really hard part for Palenka. We had a great trade deadline, and now if he can just, we can't. Nobody can expect the leap from what they were to what they became, but you know they don't need that anymore. They need an, if they could if they could just goose it by ten percent, you're really cooking with something. I mean, look, maybe the improvement just comes with continuity and not Good. have Absolutely. not having to figure out everything on the fly. Yeah. Like, you know, in a lot of ways, they were maybe making it, it up maybe as it they went. Maybe you know, tweaking your talent very much. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, that 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 may be the greatest luxury that they have if they run this thing back. It's not even who do you bring on top of it. It's just the idea of being able to have a normal season with everyone, and then hopefully they all stay healthy. Yeah, and that's your baseline. If nothing else, yeah. that's your baseline. It's a nice place to start, but a little sprinkle of extra talent there wouldn't hurt. Uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show and hang out and uh, leave us questions and comments and all that stuff, which you really do want to use uh, going forward into the summer as we get through the draft, into summer league, into the offseason, free agency, and so on and so forth. Again, um, next week ahead of the draft, Mike Garcia um, at Canyon Driver. Going to be a great draft preview uh, right before the draft. Uh, we'll have people on afterwards over the next the, the few days after, so everybody has an idea of you know, who they picked and how they might fit in, whether or not the Lakers did well. So plenty of draft stuff to look forward to. Uh, and we will see everybody next week.